I'm Taffer. And I'm Eunice. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! I'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you, as always, to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. So this week, we are wrapping up our Romances by Black Authors February series uh, with a book that made me spontaneously burst out crying, which is something that has not happened to me with a book in a very long time. Very long time. I will talk about which part made me do that. This is The Passing Playbook by Isaac Fitzsimmons. It is about... Spencer, a trans teenager who uh, starts at a new school, and he is a soccer player. He is going completely stealth at the school, but discriminatory laws around sports teams force him to make the decision between coming out and giving up the sport he loves. It's also a romance. We see him falling in love with another boy, and it's um, really sweet. It's really charming. I like that storyline a lot. So, Eunice, what did you think about this one? Yeah, um, this was a very emotional read. There were so many things in this book that was, like, very emotionally triggering, um, like you were saying. Um, yeah. I Yeah, there was a lot of stuff about, like, religion, um, and um, I'm sure we'll get more into that, um, and, like, religious communities um, and how they kind of fit into this picture and yeah wow it was really real um and like the descriptions and the like characters um their motivations and um like kind of all of that was like really really well done and I thought very true to like what I've um experienced growing up um in some of these communities that Mm -hmm. I thought was like wow (laughs) um yeah and like you said the romance in it is really really cute Mm -hmm. um I was kind of hoping that there was like even more of that but I mean it's hard I think it's hard because it's this book was trying to do a lot of different Mm -hmm. things um and it's hard to do that and also do a romance and then also try to talk about like the different like issues it was trying to bring up um so overall I think it it was really it was a really good book for for the amount of things it covered mm-hmm. I think like sometimes when you um have a book and it's trying to do all these different things I think sometimes you can get like one of the things gets lost right yes. I think it did all the things that it was trying to do really well um so yeah I think overall a really really fantastic read and I think this a debut if I'm not mistaken. Is it a debut? I will be very impressed. I, 
that's oh my, my god it is it is yeah. this is isaac and fitzsimmons first oh it might be fitzsimmons actually first novel i yeah. am flabbergasted yeah i i was yeah. i'm so like yeah, yeah good editing too like whoever yeah. did the editing for this book too was just like it was tight that's something that's something we run yeah. into a lot hey like sometimes we get to a book and we're like I think the editor just let this one down um yeah. but no this one I have to agree with you everything it does it does really well and for me the added uh bonus the thing that really sets it apart is that it deals with all this stuff that's really deep and really often emotionally triggering often really difficult to struggle through you know we're talking about a black trans boy in northern uh ohio northern ohio dealing with discrimination on every level but it's not heavy you don't come away from it feeling gutted it it was at no point was it like difficult to keep reading a few times with books that we've read even this year I've been like I'm glad that I pushed through because it was worth it but who boy this isn't that way it's light it's easy to read it it pulls you forward it keeps you going there's enough um kind of joy imbued throughout and you come away with hope and I mean I know like Nick Stone said this one time in 2018 and I mean I think I'm sure she said it since then but this is something we've always carried through this podcast is this idea of writing into hope that concept that comes from Nick Stone. I really like seeing trans narratives that steer clear of this kind of narrative we get that if you live in a certain place you're fucked because yeah. like it's true. There are regions that are far less hospitable on every level uh, mm -hmm. for for trans people, for queer people, for black people. That doesn't mean that no trans people are living good lives in mm -hmm. those areas. And I really appreciated seeing a story where Spencer has supportive, loving family. Spencer has supportive, loving friends. Spencer has supporting, loving, supportive, loving authority figures who are willing to go to bat for him. Spencer also faces a lot of discrimination and a lot of violence from both an interpersonal level and an institutional and political level. But he, we do see him surrounded by love. Uh, and that is so important to see. It's so important to make sure that young people know, even if you live in a red state, it doesn't mean everybody you meet is going to fight you. It does make a lot of things harder <laughs> for you, but it doesn't mean you can't find people who will love you and be there for you and surround you and support you. And we see Spencer so often afraid of coming out because he's so scared of meeting that resistance and that violence that he's met in the past. So I think it's just... I'm so delighted to see that nuance. I'm so delighted to see that really true narrative. Because uh, I think a lot of the time when people talk about red states or like the Deep South or the Midwest or like in Canada, Alberta, Saskatchewan, they'll talk as if all of the queer people leave <laughs> and there aren't any like intergenerational queer communities. And that is not true. 
there are intergenerational queer communities that you can find and that have been fighting for generations for their rights. So it was just really nice to see that, especially with Coach. Uh, like Spencer's soccer coach genuinely being a loving, supportive mess of a man was just, oh, it was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, what you were saying um, got me thinking of how, like, it reminded me a lot of um, Leah Johnson's book yeah. that we did, um, where that also takes place in the Midwest. Um, and, I think a lot of times we read books that takes place that take place in like cities, um, yeah. like on both coasts, mm-hmm. um, on either coast, um, and then you don't get a lot of like the Midwest or like Deep South. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, like this one, what it reminded me a lot about that, where it was just like, um, yeah, like it the story brought you through like a whole year of a like of the school year Mm -hmm. and just like we start with um Spencer just starting a new school and um like has first day jitters (laughs) um has first day jitters and meets his crush like first day Mm -hmm. like they have like a meet cute oh such a meet Um, cute (laughs) such a meet cute love their meet cute love a meddling Um, mom (laughs) Um, yeah, like all of that, I think is just very like comforting too, um, yeah. to know that like, you know, trans characters and, uh, can have like this story too, yeah. right? Like, it's like, yeah, it's, it's really well done in that way. Um, yeah. and I do love all the different characters that surprise you and, um, and do really, really like support him through mm-hmm. his journey um so yeah it was it's it was really nice to read this and yeah I I loved the parents um and like what they kind of brought to the table like Mm -hmm. the overbearingness and like being (laughs) being like nervous and scared and like not quite understanding like what he's going going through but like their parents and so like they're like you know trying to do their best to like you know minimize pain and minimize like um you know the hard stuff that their son is going through right and i really really liked seeing that and seeing his relationship with both parents and seeing how different each relationship was too Mm -hmm. right and like um and each parent is kind of um has their own way of raising him yeah So, yeah, I think that was really nice to see. There were a lot of things in the uh, parent relationship that made me think of the conversation Bailey and I had around Felix Ever After, where it's a similar thing where the parents are being supportive. They're doing all the right things. You know, they're checking all the boxes. They're doing, I think, a little better than Felix's dad is because it seems like they no longer routinely misgender Spencer. But there's a point at which Spencer is like, they still don't think of me as like totally a boy they still don't this is something that I think we see a lot um I did my whole rant about cis parents of trans kids in that episode I'm not gonna do that again but you can listen to that episode if you want to hear what my rant about cis parents of trans kids is Uh, I might get onto a different one today but we often see cis parents of trans kids 
Well, I mean, this isn't even just parents. This is just cis people talking about trans people. Like, if we talk about fucking, like, women plus spaces, where you talk about trans people as though there's some special category of gender. Like, a trans boy isn't just a boy. He's a trans boy, which means we can let him into, like, women's spaces, which is fucking weird when you think about it. (laughs) And also super transphobic. But his parents need that little push to go, you know, his parents should be thinking, of course he's going on a boys team. The issue is that Spencer wants to be on the boys soccer team and his parents are like, that seems a little fast. Are you sure you can be on a boys team? And even his coach does this a little bit, right? Like even his coach is like, I don't want to put you in with the rough players because you're well I guess his coach doesn't know he's trans at that point but like he is short he hasn't hit his growth spurt yet and his parents need that little push to be like no he's he's a boy he's literally just a boy he's just a boy you just need to reframe it he's not a special category of boy he's not just your really butch daughter (laughs) the other thing though that I think I have not seen in any YA books about trans characters that I appreciated so much is highlighting the fact that if trans youth receive appropriate medical care before puberty, if they get Mm -hmm. blockers before they hit puberty and then are able to get hormone therapy to go through the puberty that aligns with their gender, their correct puberty, um, they do not need surgical intervention later. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Spencer did not need top surgery because his parents listened to him when he first came out. Yeah. And I've literally never seen this represented in a book. And this is huge. This is so important because a lot of the time you see people freaking out about teens getting gender affirming surgeries when the Mm -hmm. truth is with top surgery for any trans teenager if they receive the care that they need before they hit puberty or right when they hit puberty, they don't need those surgeries. They don't need top yeah. surgery. You can avoid top surgery completely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's so important. That was so exciting. I, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I've read that anywhere. And it also, like, for me as a cis person, wouldn't have crossed my mind. Yeah. Like, right? And I think that's, that. yeah, that is just so important to see. And I think that... Um, yeah, that was that was a really great addition of like, yay, like that's yeah. awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> and so he can like this makes it so much easier for him, you know? He's able to change in the changing room. He just doesn't change yeah. his underwear. Like yeah. he's able to take his shirt off at soccer matches. It's so important. Mm-hmm. And I loved yeah. seeing that representation. Yeah. That was really exciting. And it was exciting to see Parents who did all the right things that way, still struggling and still being corrected and yeah. also being receptive. Yeah. Um, which is something we talked about in Felix Ever After again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, when he finally tells them what's bothering him, they're like, yeah. Which is realistic <laughs> because they'll, they'll always have like a blind spot. Exactly. And they're, like you said, like they're thinking about we don't want him to get a death threat again that happened like what happened at his old school that was like horribly traumatic for all of us Mm -hmm. but at its core this book is about balancing it's about a choice that nobody should ever have to make ever (laughs) 
where you have to choose between the risk of being out and proud of who you are. Not that you can't be proud of who you are and be stealth. Like, that's totally mm -hmm. a valid choice. And being closeted to stay physically safe, right? And that is, I mean, <sighs> this is I think what I, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, well, 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 what I liked about this book was that they didn't, like, um, it wasn't ascribed, like, a moral, like, good or bad kind of thing mm -hmm. of, like, whatever choice whoever makes that choice right it's yeah. not like it's not I don't think any I don't think I or at least I didn't pick up anywhere in the book where it was like if you make this choice about coming out and existing um and you know like fully living in your identity or whatever I don't think that was like negative or positive like if you couldn't do that yeah um I think that's what this book made really clear as in like it's not about like the person mm -hmm. like choosing to do whatever it is it's definitely the situation that makes it safe or unsafe yes or you know like and there were and there were so many conversations about like when is this when is it the time to like reveal your identity and when is it not or when yeah. is it time to say something to a certain group of people or like who's the audience or like what's the situation I think there were so many good conversations about yeah. that in the book when Spencer asks for advice I think it's his friend Aiden yeah who um who like they they have this great conversation about like this is what I did and I chose to do this because like this is what I thought was going to be safe but then I got to a certain point where I was hiding a lot of things and I knew that I was doing it because I was um, it wasn't completely about safety anymore it mm -hmm. was because I that felt like comfortable to do and yeah. I was kind of comfortable living this lie um, and like that progression I think like there were so many places in the book where he had that conversation with people and being like this is why I chose to do it this way this time around mm -hmm. or this is why I chose to do it now instead of before um, and I think that I think that was like it validated yeah like the choices that people have in revealing different identities and it's not only like trans people right it's like it's like a lot of like your identities right like some yeah. things like if you can't see it like at, like if the person's not expressing it right away like there's so many different parts of our identity that we choose not to disclose or it doesn't come up because it's not a big deal or like you know like and I think that type of conversation around that I think is really important to know that like there are like other things that like people choose to disclose or not to disclose right yeah. it's not yeah. the fact that um it's this one thing like big thing right um it's not just trans people right it's it's so many different things I mean coming out is a constant series of negotiations right like it, Anybody who has had to come out um, knows that it just, you might come out once, right? Like you might have your big coming out with your cake and your party, but then you're also constantly going to be coming out to new friends and new partners and new workplaces and however that looks in your life. I think a thing that like kind of kept coming up for me is that like I hate even the idea 
of being stealth. Like, I hate that that is a thing that trans people have to think about. Because, like, A, Spencer should just be accepted as a boy. Spencer should never have had to come out to anybody except for the people he wanted to come out to. You know, it makes sense to come out to somebody you want to have sex with, right? Like, it doesn't make sense to have to come out on television to everybody in your community to try to get people to stop being assholes. And this is how I feel whenever anybody shares something of a trans kid who is advocating for trans rights. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just like, yes, they're being courageous. They're being amazing. They're super fucking admirable. They should never have been put in this situation <laughs> um, because the grown-ups should be just you know protecting children generally as a rule but yeah I like the negotiations I loved Aiden's role let's talk about justice because mm -hmm. we could talk about just trans stuff in this book forever I didn't know I needed this character until I read it Justice is the cute boy that Spencer meets on his first day of school, immediately has a just stammering, tripping over his feet crush on him, uh, and then finds out that Justice is um, in a super fucking homophobic church uh, with super scary homophobic parents, and Spencer does not really know what to think of that. Because Justice is being really nice to him. Justice seems to be flirting with him from the very beginning. Like the way he's written, it's extremely flirtatious. But then Justice goes with him to his church soccer camp. And holy crap. Like, so the only other character I can think of who was written even remotely from a community like the community I grew up in is in Meg Cabot's All-American Girl, her best friend comes from like a church where they lay wear long skirts mm. but like it never really impacts her character it's just kind of a like fun little factoid <laughs> like she's like not allowed to date or whatever but that's kind of yeah. all they ever taught like it's never like mm -hmm. a thing and justice goes to this church where like him and all his siblings he has five siblings his other siblings are homeschooled like i was and like many of my friends were the girls all wear long skirts and have long hair. Everybody is named after, like, justice and piety and noble. And they listen to right-wing fucking radio. And they all hold hands and pray before their meal. And it was it was so familiar. It was the community that I grew up in. Um, the church is, like, slightly different, obviously. But, like, it was wild because I don't think about that community that much anymore you know I'm very far removed from it like I I left when I was 18 with the intention of never going back and I never went back it made me nostalgic and I loved seeing when we see those characters on tv or whatever they're always the bitch they're always the narc. They're always the snotty kid who's like going to tell on you and get you in trouble. And maybe they get like a small amount of compassion later in the story. But they're never the love interest. Mm -hmm. They're never gay. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, or if they are, they're being terrible bullies because they're so closeted and self-hating. Yeah. Yeah. Justice is so many kids I knew growing up growing up who knew they were gay or knew they were trans 
or, you know, knew they were going to leave the second they had a chance to. And mm-hmm. also knew that they were while they were biding their time, there were certain things we needed to do to make our lives tolerable. It was, God, it was so, so good to see that. <laughs> I loved seeing that. Yeah, I love that, it, like, right away, you knew that um, Justice liked um, Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. Their moments in, like... The music appreciation class that they had was really cute and like um when like um coach puts them together yeah for <laughs> um to partner up for drills and things like that I thought that was just perfect um yeah I <laughs> like everything about justice's family was like whoo um, but like, despite all that, I like him as a character, and like, you really felt for him. Yeah. And really was like, oh my gosh, you are really not in a good situation, and you need to get out. Yeah. And like, just um, his whole thing of like soccer being his like his ticket out. Mm-hmm. That was, like, so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But, like, knowing that, like, yeah, once if he got that chance, like, things would get so much better for him. Um, And just to to know that, like, it's it wasn't, like, really much of, like, a discussion or struggle or, like, um, like, he just knew, like, that, like, he was, he just had to leave, right? Yeah. There was no, like, I'm, like... I'm having I'm conflicted about this or whatever it's like it's just like yeah like I can't be in this situation I know that and I know and uh, and like while I'm at school like I'll be like at school yeah and while I'm at home I'm at home yeah Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's something I'm familiar with (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah and that wasn't like really like a it was it wasn't like a tension for him and that was really well I like I think we met Justice after he had done a lot of processing. Yeah. You know, we meet Justice after he's already had his first boyfriend and gone through his first breakup and I think done a lot of that wrestling and figuring things out and made his peace and figured out what his life is going to look like, you know? I think that's really important too. Like showing, I think it's really responsible to show teenagers who might be in that situation if you just make it through these years you don't have to do this anymore. Um, Which is something that I think, like, I got because I had older siblings who had already gotten out, right? Um, But there are a lot of teenagers who just don't think that they'll ever have a way out. I loved seeing a teenager whose escape was school because that was also something I related to, like, seeing somebody who's not miserable to be in school but is just so happy not to be at home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It was just so good. Like, it really means a lot to me to see compassion for the kids raised in fundamentalist Christian homes because a big part I mean as you know (laughs) a big part of fundamentalist Christianity is recruiting your children to be soldiers right and Mm -hmm. you're taught from your earliest age that this is your role and that's really weaponized children are really weaponized they make their children you know reiterate the dogma the way you grow the church is by having more children like it's really 
I think people who did not grow up inside it don't understand the degree of pressure that children are under and what it kind of does to your brain to grow up knowing that you always come second to Mm -hmm. like God and the church. And especially now where we see this like intense polarization between the far right and fundamentalist Christian communities and sort of the rest of us. I think this representation is more important than ever because you've got to remember that the kids in these churches are kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the kids yeah. in these churches are queer and the kids in these churches are trans like you see mm-hmm. one of those quiverful families what I always think every time I see one of those families with like a dozen kids I'm like okay statistically at least two of your children are gay at yeah. least you know I know what the statistics were in my family they were higher than that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a great read I, I, I went into it not knowing like what this book was about at all me too actually i was like oh like um it yeah it was great i think it's really nice to have these stories in um why so i'm really glad that this is part of the forgot i forget the word genre um, yeah, Jean- <laughs> canon. Yeah, canon. Yes, canon's a good word. Yeah, it's part of the ca- YA canon now, um, and I'm really yeah. glad it is. Two more little points. One, I am such a sucker for a sports book. I think we've talked about this before, <laughs> but like a gay sports romance, it's all there. It's all laid out. You got the sweat. You got the passion. You got the nudity in front of each other. You got the like wrestling on the ground thing beautiful I always this is not the first book that has done this but I love it so much um the other thing I just want to give a quick shout out to the passing playbook the title the metaphor that Mm -hmm. is working in two ways Mm -hmm. we have both soccer passing which is the teamwork and the affection and the justice and Spencer learning how to work together and then also you know passing I, I th- yeah, clever, clever title. I love it. Yeah. Um, I really liked the team, the soccer team, the yeah. different characters of the team. Really loved that they were supportive. Yep. Like, and like that was really, really amazing to see. And yeah, I think yeah. it just gives you all the feels. Um, his um, little brother. Oh my gosh, yeah, we didn't talk about his brother. He has the most amazing little brother. There was a point in this book when I teared up. Not the part where I burst out sobbing, but the part where I first teared up. I'm not going to spoil it, but he's talking with his little brother about like fears and being brave and Mm -hmm. his little brother just Mm -hmm. just cracked my heart wide open with that oh my god i'm not gonna spoil it you guys need to read this halloween yeah yeah the 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 conversation about the school bus yeah just so often kids take things that we make complicated and make them so simple if we let them if we let them do it Okay, I've been teasing this through the whole episode, but the point at which I just burst into sobs spontaneously, surprising even myself. There's a point at which, so Spencer uh, is unable to change his sex marker on his birth certificate, and this causes trouble with the soccer league. And towards the end of the book, he is talking to someone about it, and they ask how it makes him feel. 
And he said, or like what he thinks of it. And he says, I mean, I think it's stupid. My birth certificate also says I was seven pounds, but things change. Mm. And that just like punched me in the heart <laughs> and and made me start crying because it's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's that simple. It was really good. I like it. I like this book. And everybody gets a happy ending. I think there's so many moments like that where um, characters just drop truth bombs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love this book. I'm so happy this book exists. I mean, maybe this just summarizes what we've been saying or a lot of what we've been saying. But it's really nonchalant. You know, mm-hmm. Spencer is a black queer trans boy in Ohio. But most of what we see of Spencer in this book is him worrying about not being good enough for his soccer team, um, like trying to figure out how to communicate with his parents about things, not wanting to talk about sex with his parents, just trying to figure out how the fuck his crush feels about him. Um, and I really like that. You know, he's just he's just a kid. He's like any other kid trying to figure his shit out and being just the best big brother he's such a good big brother and i think it's just like as simple as that right like that's That's what it it could be yeah he's just he's just he's just a guy he's just some guy you know i think overall there's a theme of being surprised by kindness Mm. like so many characters who you expect are going to there's so many moments where you get this tension of this is this person about to be a real dick Mm-hmm. and then they don't um and they are kind there's also like a oh my god there's just like thing after thing exploding there's like a trans elder who like is friends with the trans youngers and is like encouraging them on and like still lives in northern ohio and is still doing activism and work in northern ohio because communities of queer people exist everywhere and when you say something dismissive about how we should i don't know remove appalachia and then everything would be fine in the u.s you're ignoring for example, the rich history of Appalachian queers that still exist. Um, <clears throat> Appalachia is not in northern Ohio, I don't think. But, you know, you get my point. I'm so bad at geography. The only way I got through those sixth grade geography tests was by cheating. Like, I'm so bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I can admit this now. It's been 20 years. <laughs> I really hope Isaac Fitzsimon. I am sorry if I am pronouncing your name wrong, Isaac. I hope he writes a lot more books because um, I want to read them all. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. I will get on top of the inbox one of these days. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at yeahpodcast and individually. Uh, I'm at tefferbear. And I'm on Instagram at the Unicorn Reads Book, and that's Unicorn with an E. If you like the show, which I certainly hope you do, or just want to help us make it even better, uh, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. I have set up a Discord for the patrons. I haven't like figured the rest of it out yet. Um, but I'm going to, and then we're all going to be able to talk about books. It'll be great. 
You can head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons Catherine Rashi, Kat McGuire, Lily Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Erica Stutchberry, Megan Jane, and Emmett Cameron. We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at TeePublic. You can also always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher you use, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Um, I really cannot overstate the importance of leaving ratings and reviews. Please, it really, really helps us. Please do that. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song, Jenny's Groove, as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tepper Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anthony Giorgio, host and producer of Queer Teen Podcast. Queer Teen Podcast encourages the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Listen, learn, and love as you get to know the next queer youth leaders of the world. Queer Teen Podcast celebrates, elevates, and narrates how the LGBTQ plus community uses our voices to tell our stories. You can find Queer Teen Podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else to get your podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe today. And don't forget to listen, learn, and love.